good to be here this evening. We're going to read a few verses of Scripture in 1 Kings chapter 16. 1 Kings chapter 16, we're going to break in at verse number 28. 1 Kings chapter 16 and verse number 28. So Omri slept with his fathers and was buried in Samaria. And Ahab his son reigned in his stead. And the third day, in the eighth year of Asa king of Judah, began Ahab the son of Omri to reign over Israel. And Ahab the son of Omri reigned over Israel in Samaria twenty and two years. And Ahab the son of Omri did evil in the sight of the Lord. Above, or that word above, can be read more than all that were before him. And it came to pass as if it had been a light thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam the son of Nebat, that he took to wife Jezebel the daughter of Ethbaal, king of the Sidonians, and went and served Baal and worshipped him. And he reared up an altar for Baal in the house of Baal, which he had built in Samaria. And Ahab made a grove, and Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all the kings of Israel that were before him. In his days did Hael the Bethlehem build Jericho. He laid the foundation thereof, and Abraham his firstborn, and set up the gates thereof, and his youngest son, Segob, according to the word of the Lord, which he spake by Joshua, the son of Nun. We're going to end at the end of the chapter in verse 34, and we're just going to commit our time to the Lord in prayer. Let's pray that God will speak tonight to your people. Our gracious God and loving Father in heaven, we thank Thee, Lord, for all that has went before. We come before Thee now, Father, O God, to the primary act of any worship service, the preaching of the Word of God. We cry now, O God, and we thank Thee for the Word read publicly. What a privilege, Lord, to have the Bible. What a privilege to have the old evangel. Lord, tonight the world hate it. They want to ban it and blame it and burn it but yet, Lord, and bury it, but thank God the old book's still alive. Thank God tonight for the, for the word of the living God. Lord, we come before Thee now, and we cry, O God, that Thou would give us help to preach. Lord, we cry for every heart. Thou dost know the need of every heart. And we cry that Thou would meet the need. And we cry for us, Thy blood-bought people, that we would be changed, Lord. Lord, not changed just tonight for half an hour or a little more and on the way home. But change, Lord, for time and for eternity. Lord, answer prayer. Come and bless us now. Empty that thou shouldest fill me. A clean vessel in thine hand. With no power but as thou givest. Graciously with each command. Answer prayer. In Jesus' name. Amen. Men and women, the question was well asked. Where is the Lord God of Elijah? 2 Kings chapter 2 and verse 14, Elijah's successor, Elisha, he comes and he asks this poignant question. He comes and he says, where is the Lord God of Elijah? Well, I want to use that question tonight and simply change it around for my title tonight that the word that God has given. I want to preach a message tonight. Where are the Elijahs of God? Where are the Elijahs of God. Men and women tonight, you and I stand on the mount, the mount summit tonight of Mount Carmel. 
We know that the greatest battle that has ever been won is at the place called Calvary. There the Lord Jesus Christ, He fought, and He won the greatest battle this world has ever seen. We can echo the words like the psalmist in Psalm 24 and verse 8, The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. And tonight, you're going to see afresh tonight, the Lord strong and mighty in battle. Because, dear people, tonight, the battle is still the same. The battle tonight at the summit at the hill called Carmel is still the same. Because the battle is on. In the 24th century, in 2024, the battle is real. The battle at the summit and Mount Carmel is the battle of truth versus error. Life versus death. Satan versus God. Darkness versus light. And you see, men and women, the reason why I read 1 Kings chapter 16 was to paint a picture and Paint a picture of what was going on in the days of Israel. You see, men and women, it was an all-time low for Israel. Never before had the favored nation sunk as low. How desperate, how deplorable, how sinful were the days that were read about tonight in 1 Kings chapter 16. Men and women, Fifty-eight years had passed since Solomon had died. You say, David, why is that significant? Solomon dies, and the kingdom, the, the, the tribes of Israel, the kingdom is rent in twain once Solomon dies. Fifty-eight years had gone, and the kingdom's rent. There's now ten tribes in the north, called the northern tribes, and two tribes in the south. And you see, men and women, seven kings had come and gone. All ungodly kings. All men that hated God. All men that had no time for God. Sound familiar? Sound familiar tonight? Across the land, across the province, across the United Kingdom. Men and authority that have no time for God. No time for the old book. Anti-God. Anti-gospel. And anti-grace. You see... Here we've read tonight in 1 Kings chapter 16, in the verse number 31, here's the first king since the, since the kingdom was split into the ten tribes in the north and the two tribes in the south. Verse 31 says, And it came to pass as if it had been a light thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat. Jeroboam is the first king. He's the first king over these ten tribes. And I want you to turn with me, please, back to a few chapters in 1 Kings chapter 12 and the verse number 28. Here's what Jeroboam does. Jeroboam in 1 Kings chapter 12 and verse 28, he comes and it says in the Word of God, whereupon the king took counsel and made two calves of gold and said unto them, it is too much for you to go up to Jerusalem Behold thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. And he set the one in Bethel, and he, the other put he in Dan. And this thing became a sin, for the people went to worship before the one, even unto Dan. Man and woman, here's an ungodly king over the ten tribes in Israel. And he comes to Bethel, and he comes to Dan, and he erects two, two images. 
He makes two cows of gold and he places them into the house of God. And these men, God's people, the Bible says, the Word of God says, and it became a sin. It became a sin. He was one that raised idolatry. He was one that raised images. He was one that was ungodly. Ah, but don't you, where do you see what he does? How cunning he is. For look what it says in verse 31. And he made a house of high places. That can be read. He made a house of shrines in the high places and made priests of the lowest of the people which were not of the sons of Levi. Why is that little phrase in there? Which were not of the sons of Levi. Who were the Levites? They were the priestly tribe. They were the ones which were the priestly tribe. So here's a man. And he's brought idolatry and he's brought images into the house of God. And he comes and he brings men into the house of God. Men that's not saved. Men that's never called by God. Men that's never equipped by God. Sound familiar tonight in Ulster? Sound familiar tonight in the land? How many occupied pulpits this Lord's day and are not saved and they're blind leading the blind? I'll tell you, men and women, you ought to be thankful for an open door here where men are sent by God to preach the Word of God. Men like Bertie that has labored for years and preached the truth for years. Men like Stephen that's sent by God and filled by the Spirit of God to preach the Word of God. You see, Jeroboam, he realized something. God's people had a history for this. You say, David, what do you mean? Turn with me to the book of Exodus. Look what it says in the book of Exodus chapter 32. Exodus chapter 32 and verse 1 it says, And when the people saw that Moses delayed to come out of the mount, the people gathered themselves together unto Aaron. You see Moses up in the mount and he's enjoying time with the Lord and God's people, they get bored. They get bored, restless. And I tell you, man and woman, we live in such a shallow day that God's people don't want to spend too much time in the presence of the Lord. They get bored. But I'll tell you tonight, dear people, there's no better thing in life but to spend time in the presence of the divine. No better thing. In thy presence is fullness of joy, and at thy right hand is pleasures forevermore. Boys, we live in a day and generation where entertainment has got hold of the people of God. How do you keep them? How do you win them? By entertainment. And I'll tell you, here's a man and Moses in the mount and the people get restless and they come to Moses or they come to Aaron. They say, Aaron, come on, Aaron. Make us a God here. Make us a wee image here. Give me your earrings. Give me everything that you have. And all they give, to Mo- they give Aaron all the earrings and Aaron ticks them. And he breaks them up and molds them and he breaks, he breaks them up and he molds it into an image of a golden calf. And I'll tell you, man and woman, God's cross and God's angry. And he tells Moses to get down and sort the issue out. And you see, man and woman, it's very interesting. Moses comes down and he's, he's angry. And it says in verse 19, and Moses' anger waxed hot. And we know the story that the, the Word of God says, he burnt it in the fire and ground it to powder and stored it upon water. Why did Moses do this? Why did Moses, why did he ground it down into powder and mix it with water to make them drink it? Why? Because I want to tell you something. He wanted to make them, give them a queer sickening of their sin. Because their sin was repulsive. And I'll tell you tonight, unsaved friend in the meeting, if you're not saved, the Bible says that you're condemned already. And the seat that you sit in in the Moy Fellowship tonight, it's, con- it's a seat that condemns you. 
and your sins repulsive to a holy God. And you see, he's angry and he makes them drink and he wants to give them a queer sickener of their sin. And then he comes down and he deals with Aaron. And look what it says in verse 25. And it says, And Moses saw that the people were naked. Imagine. Imagine Moses coming down from the mount, spending time with God. And the first thing he sees when he comes down from the mount is idolatry. And he sees God's people naked. And that's what sin does. I want to tell you on safe friend tonight, sin strips a man, sin strips a woman. The devil's in the business tonight of stripping. Thank God tonight Jesus Christ is in the business of clothing sinners. Clothing. You see, he comes. And Moses comes and he sees the people naked. You might say to me tonight, Christian, you might say to me tonight, boys, those people in that day, boys, God's people weren't good. I want to tell you, I want to tell you, child of God tonight, we're in the Laodicean church period. There's not a doubt about it. And what does the Bible say about that? Neither cold nor hot. And then he comes and he says, but thou art wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. Naked. Moses issues a call. And boys, if he could occupy this pulpit tonight, he would raise it again in 2024. Who is on the Lord's side? Who's on the Lord's side? And who issued the call? Who answered the call? It was the sons of Levi. What did they do? They executed judgment. Do you see how cunning Jeroboam was? He realized the history that the Israel of nation had of idolatry and immorality and sin. And he brings it in, but oh, he doesn't just bring one in, he brings two in. And then he brings priests into the sanctuary. And then he comes and he says to them, he says, look, he says, you occupy the sanctuary. You work it. Men that weren't saved. Men that weren't called of God. How cunning he is. And then it's very interesting. The next chapter, 1 Kings chapter 13, there's a man of God and he's sent to Jeroboam and he preaches against Jeroboam and he tells him what's going to happen. And it's very interesting that he tells him what's going to happen in 1 Kings chapter 13. And the verse number three, and by verse number five, it's happened. He comes and he, he tells him what's going to happen. And Jer- Jeroboam, he doesn't like the word of God and he doesn't like the messengers of God and he doesn't like the preachers sound familiar. Sound familiar to where you and I are at today in our land. And you see men and women, Jeroboam, he comes and he puts his hand and his old hand, he puts his hand to get rid of the preacher. And he puts his hand to get rid of the word of God. And his old hand dries up. And then there's enough audacity to come to the man of God and say to the man of God, pray for my hand. Didn't ask to pray for his heart. Just, just his hand. And I'll tell you, there's many unsaved men they got across the province. Well, they're not so much worried about their heart. Not worried about their soul. But if something goes wrong in the family or something goes wrong in the body, they're longing for prayer. Not for the soul. Not for the heart. And Jeroboam, he's the first king. And imagine, it says in verse 31, And it came to pass, if it had been a light thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, Ahab comes along and he sees these sins, these sins of idolatry, these sins of immorality, these sins of of false worship, these sins of hating the Word of God and the preacher of God, looking to put them out of the country. Ahab comes along and he says, I just see those things as a light thing. You see, men and women, King Ahab was 
a very sinful, wicked man. You want to see his wicked ways? We've read it tonight. And Ahab, the son of Omri, did evil in the sight of the Lord above all or more than all that were before him. It says in verse 33, And Ahab made a grove, and Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all the kings of Israel that before him. His wicked ways, what about his wicked wife? I want to tell you, this man wasn't that fussy who he married, for Jezebel wasn't much use. If there was one woman in the whole Word of God that was one of the evilest women in the Bible, it was this woman. How wicked Jezebel was. And the Bible says that he took to wife Jezebel, the daughter of Ephbeel, king of the Sidonians. And not only his wicked ways and his wicked wife, what about his wicked worship? For look what it says in verse 32, And he reared up an altar for, the, for Baal in the house of Baal, which he built in Samaria. Here's a man, and he's just built a church. He's just built this place of worship for Baal in Samaria. But don't miss this little phrase in verse 31, and I've highlighted it in my Bible, where it says there in the last little phrase, and went and served Baal and worshipped him. Mark those two words in your Bible, served and worshipped. Served and worshipped. I want to tell you, men and women, listen to me. The ungodly tonight, they run after their false gods and they run after them and they put the people of God to shame. How they run after their false gods. Here's a man. Here's a man that's so ungodly, so wicked, so sinful. And the Bible says, and the Holy Ghost says, served, worship, served, worship. I wonder tonight, how are we, the children of God, getting on with serving and worship Jesus Christ? You see, men and women, what a dark and desperate day it was in the land of Israel. It was openly, it was openly declared that Baal lived and Jehovah ceased to be. They rebuilt Jericho. Did you notice the little verse that they rebuilt Jericho? They done the accursed thing. It was open rebellion against God. And yet tonight, the days in 1 Kings chapter 16 in the land of Israel, they're so like our days in Ulster tonight. You think? How that man and woman, they've rewrote laws to bring in. When God has called sin an abomination, when God sees same-sex marriage, homosexuality, sodomy as sin. And yet men and influence in this country, they have passed laws, they have said, they have declared openly that God has got it wrong. Well, I'll tell you tonight, God hasn't got it wrong. And God still sees it as sin. And God's angry with the wicked every day. And you think I was... When I was off for Christmas, I, was, I don't know if you read it or seen it, but there was those and they were rallying for foxes. They didn't want foxes being killed. I'm not interested in foxes. But what I tell you, they're not too worried about killing the babies. They're not too worried about abortion. And I'll tell you, men and women, you think in Israel, when Jeroboam, he brought, he brought in men that weren't called of God, weren't saved, weren't, weren't equipped by God. And look at the sin it brought into the nation. Look at the sin it brought into the land. And yet tonight in Ulster, look at the sin that's on, in the land. You think tonight of the drug abuse in Ulster. And men and women, listen, we know so little about it. But the, the country is coming down with drugs and drug addicts and homes are wrecked and ruined by sin. You think of the alcohol abuse. You think of pornography and all the immorality and all the idolatry that's in the land tonight. 
You see, men and women, there's nothing new under the sun. Ahab's day, where he was the king over the ten tribes, is just so similar to our day and our generation. And tonight, I was thinking, surely you could say with me, the enemy has come in like a flood, and truth has fallen in the street. But I'll tell you, men and women, I was encouraged this week as I read in the book of Beginnings, and the earth was without form and void. And darkness was upon the face of the deep. Darkness across the land tonight. Spiritual darkness. But thank God the, the next word or two says, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the deep. And I'll tell you, that's your only hope tonight of survival. Where is thy hope of survival? Save in thy life-giving breath. You see, here's a man. First Kings chapter 16 is not good reading. But thank God for First Kings chapter 17. For the first mention of this man, he's on the scene. And he comes in the Bible, says, And Elijah the Tishbite, who was off the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, Here's a man, this old, rough, rugged countryman, a man that's sold out for God, a man that comes, and he just lands right into the palace. You can imagine this man in the palace. Imagine. And he's knocking. And all the dignitaries are there and they're saying, who's the big country man? Who's that big rough man there? Never seen him before. And I tell you, he comes into the palace and he looks at a king and he comes and he says, as the Lord God of Israel liveth. You think of that phrase, and I love it, men and women, because the land of Israel at that time, they thought that Jehovah ceased to be, and that Baal was on the throne, and they had done away with God. And this man comes, this man sent by God just comes, and he tells the old king, he says, as the Lord God of Israel liveth. And then he comes and he says, before whom I stand. You see, men and women, he's not interested in because he's in the presence of an earthly king. He's taken up with the presence of the King of Kings. And he comes and he tells him and he says, There shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. I want to tell you, when he knocked the door to get into the palace, he looked a fool and he looked a madman. And you see when King Ahab came out and he told the princess, that heathen Jezebel, and all the dignitaries what he said, they thought he was crazy. They thought he was mad. Get rid of this nutter Elijah. Get rid of them. God comes to him and God tells him, Get thee hence and hide thyself. Get hence and hide thyself. Here's a man, and he's just obedient to the word of God, and he does what God tells him. And God takes him and he tells him, Get thee hence and hide thyself by the brook chariot that is before Jordan. He's just so obedient, and he hides himself. And I'll tell you, man and woman, there was some search party in the country for him. Some search party. You say, David, where do you get that at? Look at 1 Kings chapter 18 and verse number 10. This is the words of Obadiah, and he's the governor of the house of the palace. And he comes and he says, As the Lord thy God liveth, there is no nation or kingdom, whether my Lord have not sent to thee to seek thee. And when they said he is not there, he took an oath of the kingdom and nation, and they found thee not. I want to tell you, men and women, thank God, God knows how to hide a man. God knows how to hide him. And tonight I'm hiding. You say, David, what do you mean you're hiding? You're in the Lifeboat Fellowship. You're going to be recorded. My body's in the Lifeboat Fellowship tonight. My soul's hiding in Jesus Christ. I'll tell you tonight, unsafe friend, listen to me. 
There's many a man and they try to put their sin in a baptismal tank and they try to put their sin in a church attendance book. Thank God I'm hiding in Jesus Christ. My sins is in the blood of Jesus Christ. Thank God there's a sign put up, no fishing. Thank God tonight for the sea of God's forgetfulness. He knows how to hide your sin. He knows how to hide it. And God comes and he takes this man and he tells him, go hide thyself and he's so obedient. And God comes to him and God tells him, that he's going to be fed by ravens and he's going to be brought bread and flesh morning and evening and he's going to drink of the brook. Did you notice it? Two meals a day. Two meals a day. It's just after Christmas and some of us need to go back to two meals a day morning and evening. Two meals. God just comes to this man and he's drinking. He's drinking of the water and he's coming in the midst of a spiritual famine in the land and a national famine. And he's come and he's done away with all the weather forecasters and he's come and there's no rain and there's barrenness and there's a famine. And God just comes to him and God says, you're going to be fed by the water and you're going to get, you're going to get meat and you're going to get bread and I'm going to provide it. And the old ravens, they're just going to transport it. You know, I was thinking when I was preparing for this message, tomorrow morning in this province there'll be men and wee vans and it's called Meals and Wheels. Isn't that right? Meals and Wheels. What about God providing meals and wings? Because God just took those birds. What a miracle that those birds did not eat his food. And they just provided, God provided it, and these men, they got it. This man, he got it and he ate it. And I'll tell you, dear child of God tonight, in a spiritual famine in the land, he was the best fed man in the land. And are we drinking in of the water? Are we getting the meat from heaven? Are we getting and feasting on the bread of life? As Elijah was. Very interesting. Then God comes to this man Elijah and he tells him. He comes and he hides him. And then he comes and he says in verse 9, Arise, get thee to Zarpath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. You see, what's God doing here? God's showing that God can keep him safe and hiding him. Ah, but God can take him out and bring him into the open and keep him safe. And you see, very interesting that Jesus Christ one day in Luke chapter 4 he comes and he says, But I tell you of a truth, many widows in Israel in the days of Elias, when the heaven was shut up three years and six months, when great famine was throughout all the land, but unto none of them was Elias sent, saith unto Serapa, a city of Sidon, unto a woman that was a widow. What's God doing here? Why is God moving him now from hiding, taking him right into the open and right into Sidon? Why Sidon? Ah, don't miss it. In 1 Kings chapter 16 and verse 31, he took to wife Jezebel, the daughter of Ethbeel, king of the Sidonians. He's bringing them right into enemy's territory because Jezebel was from Sidon. And Jezebel's dad was the king of the Sidonians and he's bringing them out and he's not telling them to hide now. He's bringing them in and he's saying, dwell there. God can keep a man safe when he's hiding him and God can keep a man safe and he doesn't have to hide him. And God brings him out into the open. And here's a man. And so what a story, men and women. He comes into the very city of the Sidon. And he sees a wee widow woman. And all she has is one meal and two sticks. She's got nothing. And she tells Elijah, Elijah, I'm coming. And Elijah comes and he says, give me the meal. And she says to Elijah, Elijah, I only have two sticks and one meal. And I'm going to eat it, me and the son, and we're, we're going to die. They had nothing. 
And God comes and he tells Elijah, this woman's going to provide for thee. And this woman, she was so obedient and she came and she gave Elijah the food. And you know the story that the wee barrel of meal and the wee pot of oil, it didn't run out. And God met his need. And then I was thinking, here was a woman and she lost her son. Tragedy hits the home and she loses the son. And verse 18, it says she's convinced about her sin. And then the Bible says that this woman, she gives, she gives her little boy over to Elijah. And where does Elijah take him? He takes him up. He takes him from her and carries him up into the loft. That word loft means upper room where he abode in her house. The upper room. You think of this. Now, I know you can pray in any room. Of course you can. But you think in the book of Acts, as they met in the upper room, you think how God moved and God saved thousands. And here was Elijah up in the upper room, and that was his place for three years dwelling just in the upper room. And he comes, and he comes to this little boy, and he prays over this little boy. And this, one, this little boy comes to faith in Jesus Christ. He's brought back to life the picture of the new birth. I want to tell you, men and women, when there was famine in the land, when there was famine in the land, Here's a man and there's no famine in his soul. He's well fed. He's seeing the hand of God, the goodness of God. And he's seeing one. He's seeing sinners been brought to, back to life. There's no famine. There's no famine in Elijah's life. And you see, man and woman, I was thinking, what made this man so different? What made Elijah so different than us? Because the Bible says in the book of James regarding Elijah in James 5 and 17 and verse 18, three words out of each verse, he prayed earnestly. And then the next verse says, he prayed again. Here was a man and he was sold out for God in the land. How the Bible says in the book of 1 Kings 19 and 10, and he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts. Here's his secret to prayer. He comes and he says, I've been jealous for the Lord God of hosts. Man and woman, he's jealous for the glory of God in the land. And Ichabod is written in the land. The glory's departed. But here's a man and he's absolutely sold out for God. Sold out that God would get His glory again in the land. Not sold out that a denomination would rob it and steal it. Not sold out that a, that a man would get it, but sold out that God would get His glory. He's jealous. He's jealous for God. He's jealous for the glory of God in the land. And then God comes to him and God tells him in chapter 18, it came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah, Go show thyself unto Ahab, and I will send rain upon the earth. And then verse 17 says, When Ahab meets him, he calls him the troubler of Israel. Oh, he comes to him and he says, Elijah, you have troubled the land. I want to tell you, man and woman, how bold was he? How bold. And yet Israel, or yet this man Elijah comes and he calls for, a, he calls for a, a showdown in Mount Carmel and he comes and he says, Now therefore send and gather to me all Israel unto the Mount Carmel and the prophets of Baal 450 and the prophets of the groves 400 which did eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab sent unto the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together unto Mount Carmel. He comes for a showdown. One man standing against 450 false prophets. 
And he comes and he tells them. He says, come. And he says, let them therefore give us two bullocks and let them choose one bullock for themselves. Cut it in pieces and lay it in wood and put no fire under it. And I will dress the other bullock and lay it in wood and put no fire under. And call ye upon the name of your gods and I will call upon the name of the Lord. And the Lord God that answered by fire, let him be God. And all the people answered and said, it's well spoken. And the ungodly crowd, he makes it as hard as possible for himself, for he comes and he says, take you the first bullock and go you and pray first. And these men, they come and they take their bullock and they offer sacrifices and they pray. And the Bible says that they pray from the morning unto noon. And then he comes and he says, they pray then unto the evening sacrifice. Six hours they're praying and there's not an answer. And there's nothing. And Elijah laughs at them and mocks them. And Elijah comes and he mocks them. He says, cry aloud for he is a God. Either he's talking or he's pursuing or he's in a journey. Peradventure he's sleeping and must be awake. Cry aloud. Are you not happy tonight, child of God, that you come into the presence of a God that hears and answers prayer? Hears and answers prayer. And there's many across our land and many across the nation and they're crying out to gods that cannot answer prayer. And here's this crowd and they're, and they're calling upon God. They're calling upon their gods of their imagination and there's nothing happening. And old Elijah comes and he calls the people near and he says to them, he, he comes and tells them, come near. And then he comes and he repairs the altar. And then he comes and he does a building work where he takes 12 stones. Notice it, not 10. 12 stones for he wants unity and he wants unity again and he takes the 12. And then he comes and he does the building work and then he comes and he does a digging work and he starts to dig around the trench. Digs a trench around the sacrifice, making it as hard as possible. Drenching the altar. He takes four. How he takes, the Bible says, four barrels of water and pours it on the burnt sacrifice three times, twelve again, for unity again, coming and taking it and he drenches the altar. And he's making it as hard as possible for Almighty God to answer prayer. You ever seen faith like it? In the midst of a day of the glory had departed, midst of a day where people were laughing and saying, where is your God? And he comes, and there he comes, and he does a building work and a digging work and a repairing work, and he calls the people forth. And at the time of the evening sacrifice, he comes and he prays. Child of God at the evening sacrifice, the cross, he's praying. It came to pass, he prays. And look what he says in verse 36. And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel. What's he praying for? He's praying for the glory of God to turn again to the land. Let it be known this day that thou art God. Then he comes and he cries to God that thou, that I am thy servant. He's praying now that the grace of God will be evident in his life. And then he comes and he says, well, I have done all these things at thy word that the goodness of God will return again to the nation. I'll tell you, men and woman, he's praying and he's been long praying and long praying that God will come to the land. And thank God, for says in verse 37, Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that thou art the Lord God, and that thou hast turned their heart back again. He called the nation back to God. He called the people of God back to God. He called God's people back. And then I love these words when it says, Then 
the fire of the Lord fell. I'll tell you, men and women, it fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and licketh up the water that was in the trench. And then all the people saw it. They fell in their faces and said, The Lord be God, the Lord be God. What happened? God just comes and manifests his power. God just comes and answers a prayer. And God comes to the land and God changes it. And the fear of God returns to the land because they got in their faces and they cried, The Lord be God. The fear of God comes. The fact of God comes. The Lord be God. The Lord be God. Man, what about the foes of God? For Elijah comes and he says unto them, Take them, take the prophets of Baal, let not one of them escape. The foes, the enemies of the gospel, the enemies of God, they're dealt with, they're judged and punished. Man and woman, you know the story. Hi, here's a man. And then he's called down the fire. Called down the fire. And then he's longing for the rain. God told him to go show thyself unto Ahab because I'm going to send the rain. And then he gets to the hill of Carmel and he comes and he comes to the hill of Carmel and he comes and he cries to God and nothing happens and he goes again seven times and he bows before Almighty God and the Word of God declares, men and women, and there was a great rain. Thank God God sent the rain. God sent it. And I was thinking down here in the lifeboat, a place where Bertie years ago got the promise about, about rivers and valleys and rivers and valleys and, and hills. Well, I want to tell you at the hill of Carmel, thank God, God answered prayer. I want to tell you, God sent the rain, God sent the rivers. I will pour water on him that is thirsty and floods upon a dry ground. You say to me tonight, David, can God do it again? Can God do it again? He already did it again. You say, David, what do you mean? Because Elijah's successor is Elisha. And when Elisha comes in 2 Kings chapter 3, 2 Kings chapter 3, guess who's in the throne? Ahab's son. And look what it says. And Ahab and Elisha said in verse 14 of 2 Kings chapter 3, And Elisha said, As the Lord of hosts liveth before whom I stand, surely were it not that I regard the presence of Jehoshaphat, the, the king of Judah, I would not look to thee nor see thee. And then he comes and he says to him, and he said, Thus saith the Lord, make this valley full of ditches. Make it full of ditches. And guess what happens in the valley? They're made ditches. And guess what fills the ditches? Water, rivers. And I'll tell you, men and, men and women tonight across our land, what we need in our day and generation is God to move again. God singly, handly, touching men and women, men that are concerned about the glory of God and only the glory of God and drenching the altar. This man drenched the altar. Young person, an older person tonight, we need to be on the altar. Absolutely drenched, self-dealt with, sin-dealt with and drenched and filled with the Holy Ghost because when there comes death on the altar, guess what happens after death in the Christian walk? Resurrection power. Boys, if ever there's a day we need it, it's this day. This day. And I'll tell you, unsafe friend tonight in the meeting, the people of God, they've seen how God judged the unsaved. The enemies of God were punished and destroyed. And I'll tell you tonight, if you're not saved, and you're not saved in this meeting, sir, and you're not saved in this meeting, woman, 
Oh, I tell you tonight, you need to be saved. You need to be washed in the blood of the Lamb. You need to be born again by the Spirit of God. I'll tell you, backslider tonight, you that has fallen out, here's a crowd, and they watched for three years. How long halt ye between? How long limp ye between two opinions? Have Baal be Baal, follow him. Have God be God, follow him. For three years they wasted their lives, and they just watched a land been, been drying up more by the sun every day. They wasted their lives. Child of God, backslider tonight, come back to the king's son. And see the hand of God move in your life again. For God's able, and He's well able to turn all and reverse all that the enemy has done. Where is the Lord? Where is the Elijah of God? It's been well asked, where is the Lord God of Elijah? Surely God sends down from heaven and says tonight, in this little fellowship in the Moy, where are my Elijahs for God? I trust tonight that God will bless this word that's been preached. Let's bow in a word of prayer, please. Our loving God and gracious Father in heaven, we come before Thee, Father, and we thank Thee, Lord, for Thy Word. We thank Thee, Lord, for what a momentous day, Lord, when Elijah, under the power of God and through the prayers and by the hand of God, how, Lord, a nation was brought back to God. We thank Thee, Lord, for dealing with our enemies. We thank Thee, Lord, that wonderful day and, O oh, Father, we come and we thank Thee, Lord, for the Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. We thank Thee tonight for the Word of God, and we pray, Lord, for all those here connected, Lord, of this work. Lord, we pray for every man, every woman, every young person, every family, Father. O oh, God, that Thou would set us on fire for the Lord Jesus Christ. Give us, Lord, that passion, Lord, that this man had, Lord, that desire to go through with God that holy jealousy for the glory of God to be seen again in the land. Lord, I pray tonight for every unsaved soul, Lord, in this house. Lord, come and speak to them, Father. Oh, God, bring them to saving faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Bring them to the Christ of God and wash them in the blood of the Lamb. Lord, come to thy blood-bought church. Lord, give us a better day. Don't, Lord, do it, Lord, to make it easier for us to live in the 21st century. But do it that God will get himself a name and God himself will get the glory again in the land. Father, answer prayer. Take us, Lord, now to our homes in safety. Bless, Lord, the week of prayer here. Bless our brother Stephen. Bless our brother Bertie and Pat. We thank you for them. And we cry, Lord, that thou would be unto them everything that they need and fill them, Lord, with the Holy Ghost and meet them, Lord, for the point of need this year. Answer prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.